And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. We are so glad you could join us. Once again, we look at Romans chapter 1, verses 11 through 15. These verses call us to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ by discovering our spiritual gifts and then using these gifts within our respective assemblies. And now with our message is our own Pastor Robert Elliott. The way my wife usually gives away tracks is she smiles and she says, this is the best news I've ever received. I'd like you to know about it. I hope you read it. We are under obligation to preach the gospel. You don't have to be behind a pulpit to do that. Let's prove that we really care for the believers who are around us and form this incredible body of Christ. And let's do it by tracing their testimony for encouragement purposes. Let's do it, secondly, by unceasingly praying for the brethren. Let's do it, third, by longing to spend time with them. One of the positive encouragements of this church since we've been here is that usually people don't leave the campus like bullets shot out of a gun. When people, majority of people in a church family after Sunday morning service vanish within two minutes, that's a bad sign. But you linger in the foyer, and if it's hot, you linger on the front sidewalk, and you linger around the cars, just enjoying each other, just longing to be with each other. I love it. Keep it up. Prove your care for someone, number four, by using your spiritual gift to encourage them and to edify them to assist them in becoming established in Christ. Spiritual gifts. You say, I don't know my spiritual gift. I believe the most accurate, current list of spiritual gifts is in Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. I understand those spiritual gifts to be operative for today, whereas other sign gifts of the Spirit are not. Romans 12, 3 through 8, there are seven gifts. Ready? I'm going to illustrate it for you. If you don't know your spiritual gift, listen. If you think you know your spiritual gift, listen. Can you imagine there was a hostess who had a mini church meeting in their home? And she was proud and pleased that she made a four-story layer chocolate fudge cake. And the room where the mini church assembled had pure white carpet. You know what's happening. She carries the cake into the mini church, she catches the heel on her shoe and dumps the whole chocolate fudge cake all over the white carpet. The Christian in the group who has the spiritual gift of prophecy, which, by the way, there's a technical sense of prophecy, which was when the Bible was still being written, where people were blessed of God to know the future. This is the non-technical sense of prophecy, which is basically bringing God's word to bear on situations. The person with the gift of prophecy turns in the Bible and tells the, the uh, group gathered that this verse really applies to dumping chocolate cake on white carpets. Be careful. Watch your stair, steps or whatever the case is. The person in the mini church that has a spiritual gift of service just slips out of the mini church living room and goes to the kitchen and rummages under the sink 
and finds carpet cleaning products and then just goes about cleaning the carpet while everybody else is doing something else. That's the spiritual gift of service. Is that you? The third spiritual gift in that list in Romans 12 is teaching. The person with the spiritual gift of teaching saw what happened, stands up in the mini church and says, this is what I saw that happened, and this is how life can be different for us if we just learn from this. That's the person with the spiritual gift of teaching. The spiritual gift of exhortation or exhorting is the person who said, I guess we don't ever serve chocolate cake at a mini church again. Exhorting. The Christian with the spiritual gift of giving, by the way, that doesn't excuse the rest of us who don't have the spiritual gift of giving. The person with the spiritual gift of giving gives anonymously to spur others around him or her to give. That's the gift of giving. So the person with the spiritual gift of giving in this little scenario goes to a private room, pulls out a check, and cuts a check to recarpet the whole house, but only makes sure that nobody except the owner of the house knew that he cut the check. That's the spiritual gift of giving. The spiritual gift of leading or administrating. That person organizes three people to go out instantly to get carpet cleaning and uh, replacement carpet costs. Three comparative quotes. The person with the spiritual gift of showing mercy takes the hostess in a hug and says, come with me, come with me. And just tenderly brings the hostess to her bedroom, the master bedroom, sits on the bed with her, and the hostess is so mortified, and she's embarrassed, and she's crying. And the person with the gift of mercy, showing mercy, just listens. Just listens. Then after time, she may say, it's going to be all right. These things happen. Don't be embarrassed. We love you. What's your spiritual gift? Prophecy, service, teaching, exhorting, giving, leading, showing mercy. You say, okay, pastor, I get the illustration, but I still don't know. Here's what you do. Remember I said earlier in the sermon, everybody needs a ministry? Volunteer for a ministry, every one of you. Then figure out what spiritual gift is required in that ministry. And do it. Guess what? If you are in a ministry that requires a spiritual gift that you do not have, then five minutes in that ministry will seem to you like an hour. That's all right. Get out of that ministry. It's not using your spiritual gift. Get another ministry. Or if you get into a ministry and an hour seems like five minutes, that's using your spiritual gift. The best way to discover your spiritual gift is not through a paper inventory, although that does have a place. The best way for you to find your spiritual gift is to get out there and serve, minister and see what gift is needed for what you're doing and how you're doing with what you're supposed to be doing. If five minutes seems like an hour, you don't have that gift. An hour seems like five minutes, oh yeah, you've got that gift. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time in your word. We pray, Lord, that we would be humble to receive it, and we pray that we would be proactive to obey it. Make us to be an even more caring congregation. And we ask this in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas, and today is another edition of Youth Talk. And today we want to start a new series on talking about the Bible and 
Sincerely God, how God's word is a letter to us. When I consider the greatest story ever told or one of the things that I thought was the best movie, uh, one of the greatest movies for me was always The Lion King. I really enjoyed The Lion King growing up, um, just how it came on the scene and it really put um, a stamp on animation in the movies and it, I mean it just took everything to an extreme and just the whole storyline of Simba and Mufasa and you know the whole story was just a great story and it ended you know the story ended great and, and it's what we would want in a movie it's what we'd want in a story a story that tells a story and at the end of the end it has a great ending I want to ask you what is the greatest movie or story that you ever seen and if I had to, if you had to be honest with yourself I want to ask you did it have a good ending you know we always remember the beginning of a movie and remember the ending of a movie we always remember that a movie was good or remember if it was bad from the beginning and the ending in fact if the beginning of the movie is no good most of the time we check out but sometimes we see at the end where where things have changed and things come together and this morning, we want to just start this series on talking about sincerely God and talking about how God's letter to us through his word, how it talks to us and how we who call ourselves Christians, we need to recognize how great this letter is. And this morning, we want to focus on a particular passage in Ephesians 1. But before we look at that, you know, I know that as we consider this, you talk and we consider talking to young people, there are a lot of young people who have never probably received a written letter. Um, when we consider a written letter coming through the mail and, you know, we used to write letters sometimes to people before email came about and texting and, you know, you're probably thinking, well, what do we, why would we even want to do that? Well, there was a time when we had no choice where to send a letter to somebody, you would write it to them. But I can tell you this, that even today in, in, in some sense, in some, um, you know, as we consider a letter written, it still probably means more than somebody sending an email. You know, you get a letter in the mail and, you know, we would sign those letters at the end. You know, we have a closing and, and, and how sometimes we would close those letters would be sincerely. And it's more we want to look at that and that's how we are, are considering this this whole series, Sincerely God. This is what God is telling us. God is talking through us through his word. And when we consider how God's word is personal, it's a, it's a real personal letter to us. And, and when we consider, as we look at Ephesians chapter 1, for us who call ourselves Christians, and, and we realize just how great and awesome the love of God is for us. It's a great love story to us. Um, when we consider, and there are people who love to read um, novels and, and you know, all these things, we see the true picture of love when we look into God's Word. We see uh, the love of a, of a God who would send his son to die for us. We see a, a person who pursued us even when we wanted nothing to do with him. You know, we see so much in God's word that just makes us say, wow, why would anyone want to go through this for me when I wanted nothing to do with him for so long? But we see God's word and we see the purpose of God's word. And again, this morning we want to look at Ephesians chapter one and starting at verse three. And I want to read it um, from the CSB, but then I want to read it from the message. And I want us to understand that this is a paraphrase, but I like how the message puts it because I think it, it will help us, especially young people as we, as they listen to this and they understand just how, you know, God's love and how God, this was a story and how God's plans 
are, are so great and awesome. And this is how it says in um, Ephesians chapter 4. And it says this. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse, verse 3, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. In him we also received inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will, so that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. Again, as we just read that, and and if you have a Bible, you would see that it talks about God's rich blessings to us, and when we consider what God did for us. But again, I want to just read again in the message. It says this, Long before he laid down the earth's foundation, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What a what pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift given by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we are free people, free of penalties and punishment chalked up by our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provide for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which in everything would be brought together and summed up in him. Everything in deepest heaven, everything on, on the planet earth. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for, long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up. He had his eye on us, had designs on us for his glorious living. Part of the overall purpose is he is working out in everything and everyone. What an amazing God we serve. What an amazing God to think that as we consider, as we look at this passage, and you know we're going to look more in depth in this the next, next week, but as we consider this, God had a plan. God had a, a plan for our lives even before we were born. And today we are, are living in a time where abortion and, and, and other things are talked about. And, and um, you know, people say, well, there's not really a baby, a living thing until this time or that time. But we see that God had a plan for us, even as we look in the Psalms, when we were in our mom's womb. What tells us exactly that God had a purpose, that we are a living being, the time of conception. So like I said, we don't have the time this morning to to you know, unpack this scripture, but I hope you'll tune in next time as we could really look at the scripture and see how God's love letter, and as we talked about how sincere God is and how true God is and how he talks to us and how he loves us and how he wants a part, not just to be a part of our lives, but he wants us to be everything about him as he laid a plan out for us. So I would challenge you, if you're listening to this broadcast, please turn in next week as we unpack this truth and unpack 
God's story to us and, and understand what God has done for us. Because when we consider what God has done for us, it changes our whole perspective of His Word and, and who He is. And gives us a desire to want to be more like Him and to serve Him better. Again, this is Pastor Nicholas and this has been an edition of You Talk. And now, today's personal God story. Well, this morning in our radio studio, we have uh, Duet and Sally Simonette. Hi. Good morning again. Good morning. Good morning. Boy, it's been good to have a, a, a chat with both of you and to hear uh, quite an amazing story that's going to get more amazing. And some of our listeners have been following all of this with interest and their building and their anticipation. Others may have just joined us this morning for the first time. Basically, uh, what's happened in the story is that uh, Sally and DeWitt married young, had problems in their marriage, uh, sought some kind of relief in a, a court. Court issued some kind of thing other than a divorce, saying they had freedom to remarry. Um, they both did remarry, and uh, Sally's marriage was worse than uh, her first, but uh, she forgave her husband and led him to Christ for salvation just before he died. And then DeWitt, last time we were letting you talk about um, the circumstances leading up to what happened next in your story, which involved uh, meeting someone who was kind to you. And uh, although Sally was always your first love of your heart, you never forgot her. And still in my heart. <laughs> Meanwhile. Yeah. So you, you married a different person. Yes. What was that? What was that marriage like? Oh, that marriage was a marriage of jealousy. Jealousy. Yes. Can you expand on that a bit? Jealousy. It's not a kind thing. No, it isn't. Like they say, jealousy is next to the grave or serious as the grave. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, to be in with someone and um, they don't trust you. Or they see you talking to someone. You will not be talking to even someone. Just to look at someone. Their, their mind is telling them. And if you tell them you're going one place, they'll say, okay. But they'll, they'll, uh, they'll come and they'll scout. All of a sudden, they'll scout to see if you were, or where you said where you going. Suspicion. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, um, I... I I, I, I see jealousy more becoming like when you lost all your self-esteem. You lost your self-esteem. Yeah, and, yeah. and you were looking for, uh, looking for it and um, you can't find it. Right. There could be some people listening, some persons listening this morning who are jealous and they think they have a good reason to be jealous, but really it's a sin, isn't it? It's yeah. to mistrust someone and to always presume evil yes. is is not godly, and it's something only Jesus can fix. Yes. But uh, so the marriage you said was the marriage of jealousy. Um, how long did it last? I'll see. Uh, did the marriage last about eighteen years? Eighteen years. Yes, eighteen, eighteen, and nineteen. I'll say twenty years. Twenty years. Of course, of course. Sometimes you could be in the house and just you just living there, but but it's like you're not married. Okay, so it, the whole time was maybe twenty years. That's a long time to feel a low self-esteem because the other person is jealous of you. 
And uh, really, a person who's jealous also has a low self-esteem because they, they're not secure right. in, in uh, receiving person's commitment and love. Um, so how did that uh, marriage end? Well, um, again, I'm one to ask for forgiveness and, and uh, ask if there's something I've done wrong or whatever it is, tell me. And um, I'm sorry, I, you know. And um, no, this, this, this answers was, uh, um, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to forgive you. Which, hmm. of course, at the end of the day, um, I really found out what it was. It was, it was, it, it was not, it was, it was not love to start with. It was convenience. Convenience. Boy, that's a, that's a problem that many people have, that they have the wrong motives for getting married. They don't have a, a love interest in the person or a respect for the person or a commitment to the person, but they just think they can advance themselves yeah. in some way. Convenience. That's serious. Um, so your wife, um, did she take sick or how did she die? Well, um, when, when, when she died, um, um, I was not with her. Okay. You were separated. Yes. And so you're not exactly sure maybe how she died. Um, actually, I mean, um, um, my daughter said she, I think she died from cancer. She had cancer? She died from cancer, yes. So, um, what were you feeling at that time? Uh, at that time, Pastor, what had happened was, um, at that time, I had been relieved. See, um, what happens is, um, some parents, they, they, they put children in the conversations, mm -hmm. which is bad, which it never should, should happen. Mm -hmm. And let's say, if you're going to tell the children something, don't tell them a half-truth. Tell them the whole truth or say nothing at all. Right. Good advice. So, uh, I, I was a person strict. A strict... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then my children came to me, and of course, you know, the father would be the last they come to anyhow. Always go to the mother, and the mother say, it's okay, you know, and blah, blah, blah. I don't know what your father going to say. So they say, well, they won't go to the mall or go someplace. So they say, well, who are you going with? What the purpose? And if it didn't fit uh, my satisfaction, I'll say no. And if I said no, I don't have to give you any explanation. No, because, because you're a child. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the children then, uh, the mother would say to them, the children, when they were disappointed, it looked like everybody in the world is dead and going left them. So the mother would say to them, you know, it's not me who's stopping, it's your father who's stopping you from going and always making me look like I was the, uh, the, um, you know, the bad fellow, you know, Thanks to God, but the reason why someone I didn't let my children go because I knew some of the children, which uh, they went with, and they was not good. It's okay to be schoolmates, but after school you don't have to be mates. 
Yes. So you're talking about a few things there. You're talking about the tendency of children to work one parent against the other. Mm -hmm. You're talking about um, uh, parents, including children in conversations that should only be between parents. Right. Uh, so these were some of the problems in, in uh, your marriage to this other individual. Yes. yes. She died of cancer. And um, in, the, in the times you were married to other people, d did you ever think about each other? I told you, even though all the time I was married, she was always there in my heart. She was in your heart. Yes, yes. I, I, mean, I, I mean, she was always there. Because um, I, I knew, even though I was running from God, you were running from God. Yes. It's like when David said, his soul went all about the city asking, the watchman of the city, where is he that keep, you know, it's like, uh, 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 no, once, you, once you're truly converted, you, 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 uh, it's not easy. You, 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 I mean, you, you get whipped. In other words, when we run against God as a born-again Christian, he loves us enough to spank us. Yes, he does. Yeah, praise the Lord for that. Sally, when you, uh, uh, when your husband died, and, and did you have uh, thoughts about DeWitt? Yes. You did. What kind of thoughts did you have? Well, I, <clears throat> like I said, I tried calling him, but I didn't get through to him. I didn't know his number, but I, uh, I just asked all his nieces who I knew, and I've I didn't, I, you know, they just said they didn't know where he was at that time. Let's, so. You know what? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Let's put a semicolon here again. Okay. Next time, we'll continue in the next uh, broadcast. Sure. Oh, thanks. Sure. Let's say, uh, let's say uh, goodbye to one another for now, and we'll get back to recording in a few uh, days. Okay. 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 You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior. <laughs>